0: hello 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 welcome back to the reclaimed podcast i'm your host whitney Elise, just a black girl out here trying to help everyone do better including and especially herself hey y'all fake welcome back to the show thank you guys so much for joining me on another weekly excursion into the madness i know there's plenty of madness going on um, around and about, (laughs) um, I would like to let you guys know that I am personally in mourning. One of my succulents just died. And you, if you're paying attention on social media, you know how I feel about me plants. So I'm just, I'm just devastated. I think I overwatered it. Um, because just to be honest, I don't know what to do with succulents. Like, I just don't know, um all the rest of the leafy family looks great, looks fine, is thriving, is growing, is getting very tall, probably needs to be repotted. Um but yeah, I'm 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 bummed out. So this this episode is dedicated to my succulent that passed away. Um, <laughs> you didn't ask for all that. You didn't ask for all that. This is not what you came for, but I'm I'm glad you're here. Welcome to my foolishness. And so, since we're diving into the foolishness, let's start with some church announcements. Let the people of the Reclaim say amen. Glad to be here, say amen again. And say amen one more time if you really like the show. We're glad that y'all are here today and these will be your church announcements. Okie dokie. So, um, there's a lot to talk about this week. I'm going to have to try to get through it um, pretty quickly uh, because, yeah, a lot of it's not the best news, but still we should be talking about it. We should be educated. So major shout out to Seth Taylor, Matt Lip, Josh Schaefer and Tyler Curtis, formerly of the Glenlegs High School in um, the D.C. area in the uh, Maryland ish dc-ish area that y'all got going on down there uh forgive me for messing all of that up um i i hear the girls just screaming right now it's not the same but it it's pertinent you'll understand why um these four gentlemen were who used to attend said high school were recently charged with hate crimes after covering their high school in graffiti swastikas and racial epithets, including a direct attack to their black principal, um, all for a senior prank. Now I remember our senior prank. Um, we did like, we did silly things. Like, I don't know. I think we like, I can't really remember. Oh my God, I'm old. Uh, but I've seen people like super glue locks. I'm not trying to give out. This is, this is, this is not me giving out ideas. Um, if you try to come for me and say, Oh, Whitney told me to do it. No, I didn't tell you to do it. I said, I've read about people doing these things. Um, you know, don't, don't try to catch me and try to get me to catch case. Um, but I've heard of people doing said things. I've heard of people, um, quote unquote, kidnapping the mascot. So basically taking the costume of the mascot and like, hiding it somewhere only for it to reemerge after graduation or whatever. Funny stuff. Senior pranks are supposed to be funny. (laughs) They're supposed to make people laugh. They're supposed to gently frustrate the adults, but not enough to get you into legal trouble, i.e. hate crimes, which is a federal offense. It's like a really serious offense. And so... (laughs) This story was really interesting uh, because security footage shows the boys, they, they actually covered their faces. So they were smart enough to cover their faces uh, during the defacement of the school and to hide whenever a car would drive by. Uh, I guess this was like sometime in, late at night, but even if a car would drive by, they were smart enough to hide. But not smart enough to leave their cell phones at home because soon as those boys got on campus at whatever wee hours of the morning or late hours in the evening guess what connected to the wi-fi around that same time their cell phones which told investigators exactly who did the defacement see you see how you see how detective work is just so simple now in the 21st century with all this technology you see (sighs) so what is very funny not funny I shouldn't say funny. What's really interesting about this entire case or situation is that these kids claim that they're, they're not racist. They claim their parents like gave all these weepy testimonies. This is not who we raised you to be. And, or one parent said like, I failed you. If this is what I've taught you, if somehow, you know, me not saying that racism is bad directly made, led you to do this, which by the way, white parents, please take note by you not saying anything. It could be just as dangerous as you saying the wrong thing because you didn't say anything against it. That could mean that you're silently for it. So maybe you should directly say something about it. Even if you slip up and make a mistake and come back around to correct, it's still better than saying nothing. That's beside the point. Anyway, parents were blaming themselves. It was tearful. It was really sad. It was highly embarrassing. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not here for the emotional antics because I don't believe in the year of our Lord 2019 or when this was done 2018 um, that anyone who is of age doesn't know that a swastika is bad, doesn't know that saying the N word is bad, doesn't know like, I don't believe that you can't convince me of that. Living in this country with its, every ounce of the dirt that you walk on has a racial past and a racial history. There is not an innocent spot here where someone of some different ethnicity didn't attack, murder, steal from another person of another ethnicity. There is not, it's intrinsic in the American story as apple pie, as Lincoln, as Washington, as the flag itself so you can't convince me that these boys these men these young men um, didn't know that these things were bad but according to them they didn't one quote goes "Um, I never really understood the symbol of the swastika I knew it was wrong to plaster it somewhere I didn't learn exactly what the Nazis were doing to the Jews until I went to the Holocaust Museum I never learned that they were mutilated I learned that they were like burned but I never learned that they had experiments done on them oh they were injected with diseases the school didn't include that just like they didn't include the burning of the train the I'm sorry the burning and the train cars um, so you know if you look at there there's an article it's actually on the Washington Post Um, very well written article about this whole story and the so it's funny cause the school actually directly comments and says, actually, yeah, we taught all this. This is stuff we actually taught. This is stuff that we actually actively teach. Um, uh, we've taught to classes before and we, we've been teaching to classes since, um, it's just the, <sighs> the privilege of not having to pay attention is astounding. I don't know what it's like not to know both my own history and the history of this nation. Um, simply because that's what you, you're you taught that as a person of color, you have to know these things as a person who's considered marginalized, you have to know these things. And so it's very interesting to listen to these boys say, I didn't know. I didn't know you, you knew, you knew it was wrong. That's why you hid your faces when you were doing it. That's why you went in the dead of night when you did it, but whatever. So they continue to go on. <laughs> when they were talking I'm sorry I don't mean to chuckle because this is very serious it's just funny to me um the quote continues I spray one racist thing and suddenly I'm a racist just because I did it doesn't mean I hate Jews gay people or black people um my I need to talk to the white delegation who listened to this show because I know that you guys are there Um, I appreciate you guys for coming out I appreciate you guys for listening um so here's here it goes if you do or say a racist thing, it makes you a racist. That simple. It's that simple. I cannot say that I don't lo- I could say that I can't say that, you know, people should, you know, people should enjoy macaroni and cheese and then take a bunch of macaroni and cheese and try to throw it into the ocean. I cannot say that I that people should enjoy I said this on Instagram yesterday uh, people should enjoy pork sandwiches and they're trying to burn every pork sandwich that I see that means I don't like pork sandwiches that means I don't like macaroni and cheese so by my actions my actions prove what I am <laughs> so by that logic if you're spray painting swastikas or calling people in words or being hateful and calling the police on folks Guess what that makes you to be? Guess what? Guess what that makes you to be? That makes you a racist. Yes, when you spray paint one racist thing, it makes you a racist. And these four boys had to learn the hard way. And in our current culture, where you can't sneeze without being on the internet, this is a cautionary tale, boys and girls, because you think that your foolishness will not catch up with you, it does. It will. Like for the rest of their lives, they're gonna be known as these kids. Because they made this terrible decision, how do you go from wanting to spray paint class of twenty eighteen and you know some some form of adults drool teens rule whatever to say, "Hey guys, you know what we should do you know it would be really, really awesome <laughs> the jump the jump is 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 it's, it's quite a jump and so it's it's alarming. It's concerning um, that people feel like just because they do one racist thing, it doesn't make them a racist. It actually does. Just like if you do one homophobic phobic thing, it makes you homophobic. Just like if you say women belong home barefoot and pregnant, you are a misogynist. Like that. There's your your actions and your words speak for you. Now you can be redeemed from that. There's there's space for redemption. There's space for growth and development, but as of in this moment in which you are doing this racist, bigoted, hateful thing, guess what? It makes you a racist. Now, take the personal responsibility and deal with that. All right? All right. Um, R. Kelly and Jeff Jeffrey Epstein are having trash weeks, which I don't personally feel bad for either. Um, if you're abusing children, women, people in general, you deserve to have a trash week. He got, R. Kelly got arrested again. (laughs) Long and the short, he got arrested again. You could do your Googles and find that out. We don't need to go into much more of that. Jeffrey Epstein was that, is that billionaire who, he got in trouble for something that happened in the early 2000s with children, Um, Not underage women, which we shall get to later in the show. Um, But yes, uh, molestation, uh, all types of crazy stuff. So he got arrested again. And this man has ties to not only uh, the Clinton family, but also the Trump family, also uh, Jim Acosta, so many different uh, big names that you hear now. Um, and to be honest, they can all go to jail if they're molesting children, put them all in jail, put them all in jail. Hell, they should walk there themselves. Like, how dare you? You knew it was a problem. That's why you made it a secret. Like, how dare you think that your money and your privilege could, could protect you if you're not learning the lesson here, folks, you know, the lessons that we're seeing with you know, all the news coming out about folks who have money and are acting like trash folks. Um, all the molestation things that are coming out with the Bill Cosby's, the R. Kelly's, the Jeffrey Epstein's, the Her- uh, Harvey Weinstein's. Um, if you're not learning that with with the, the college scandal and stuff like that, rich folks, there is a reckoning a coming And it's coming down your alley. If you're committing any type of crime, if you're committing any type of abuses, listen, reaping and sowing is a thing. You're about to experience it. Okay? Okay. And that's all that's in the church announcements. Let's get to the mess and the message. Come have a seat with me on this couch and let's talk some mess and message. So recently on the Atlantic, which I personally like, to read um everyone has their publications mine is the Atlantic um I came upon an article called the deepening crisis in evangelical Christianity by Peter Wenher I believe that's how you say the last name w-e-h-n-e-r um and the tagline below that interesting interesting um Title is Support for Trump Comes at a High Cost for the Christian Witness. Let me just have a sip of this drink here. Mmm. Delicious. So the article opens with last week, Ralph Reed, the Faith and Freedom Coalition's founder and chairman, told the group that there has never been anyone who has defended us or has fought for us who we have loved more than J- Donald J. Trump. No one, exclamation mark. <sighs> Keep reading. Um, sorry, my frustration bubbled to the top. Anyway, uh, continuing on down the article, it says, read is partially right. For many evangelical Christians, there is no political figure whom they have loved more than Donald Trump. Approval for Tr- President Trump, among white protestant evangelicals is 25 percent higher than the national average according to the pew research center survey white white evangelical protestants who regularly attend church that is once a week or more approve of trump at rates matching or exceeding those of white evangelicals who attend church less often indeed during the period from July of 2018 to January of 2019, 70 percent of white evangelicals who attend church at least once a week approved of Trump, versus 65 percent of those who attend church who attend religious services less often. Part of the answer is their belief that they are engaged in the existential struggle against the wicked enemy, um, but that wicked enemy. Is the American liberals and the left (sighs) so I'm a Christian right I'm a Christian I have believed in Jesus all of my little life um, starting from a very young age Uh, read there has been periods of dedication and rededication but I've always believed in Jesus Love my Bible, love God's word, treasure it, live by it, try to read it daily um, and try to live by its principles. That being said, there is nothing more frustrating than getting lumped into this group of folks who are actively approving of a president who cares very little if at all about them. When writer Peter Wenher writes that there's a deepening crisis for for the evangelical for evangelical Christianity and support for Trump comes at a high cost for the Christian witness, it's very interesting from where I stand as a Christian and as a black american woman because for me there is no crisis. <laughs> for me there is no crisis. For me this is this is perfectly on brand for white evangelicals, perfectly on brand. And I'll explain that. I said on Facebook earlier this week that this is not a crisis. This is a light on folks who look more like a cult than, than a faith that's supposed to represent Jesus's name. Um, Their racism is their Bible. Their cross is their Confederate flag. Their faith in a man who would harm the very people that Jesus himself told his disciples to protect and to stand up for shows that their Christianity is nothing but false. That's it. That's it. It's you cannot say that you love Jesus and you're a disciple of Jesus Christ and actively harm the people that he tells you to stand up and protect. You cannot say that you are a follower or believer of Christ and be blatantly, Bigoted and racist you cannot you cannot you cannot justify the two they are not justified You either follow Jesus and love your neighbor. Notice. There's no stipulation your gay neighbor your um, Your non-believing neighbor your Muslim neighbor your Latinx neighbor your You gotta love your neighbor there's no stipulation in between love, your, and neighbor, right? And then if we, if we were to dive into that scripture in particular, this is when um, someone questioned Jesus and said, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells this scandalous story about a man who, while traveling, was beaten, brutally beaten, brutally beaten. Um, yes, we're going to have a little Bible study right now. Um, for those who are non-believers, you can get something from this story too. Um, but for my believers, you should be familiar with this story. This man is brutally beaten. Uh, a priest who was coming along, traveling along the same road, uh, sees the man and he crosses on the other side, past him, leaves him, leaves him. Like I said, this man is brutally beaten. He is robbed. He is left for dead. This priest sees him, says, nope, I don't even want to get involved. Passes by a Levite who is also um, widely respected by Jewish culture at this time, sees the man, same thing, passes by on the other side. A Samaritan whom um, the Jewish culture at that time, they were at like odds with each other. They didn't like each other. They were like the Jets and the Sharks. <laughs> Sorry guys, I, did, I just watched West Side Story. Judge your mom. Um, a Samaritan sees this man, and has compassion for him, sees his wounds, he like helps him heal, puts him on his own horse, takes him to an inn, pays for the man to like stay at the inn, and he said listen if he's he pays enough for him to stay for like a while, not like a night or two, i think I believe it was like a week or so. He said if he's not better." I will come and I will handle the rest. Here's enough for him. Um, if you need more, I'm going to come back and I'm going to take care of it. And that was so scandalous at the time because, like I said, it was the Jets versus the Sharks. It was the left versus the right. It was <laughs> it's the red versus the blue. And, like, it's it's literally like if a rainbow-wearing gay man came along and saw a Trump supporter with his Trump t-shirt who had been brutally beaten and left alongside the road and came and tended to him and took him in and healed his wounds, took him to a nice hotel, you know, not one random sketchy hotel, put him in his own car while he's bleeding all over the place in his own car, drove him to a nice hotel, paid for his bill for a few weeks, um, Pay for someone to come in and check on him and feed him and make sure he's okay. I said, make sure this Trump supporter's all right, and you know, y'all can y'all can build me for the rest if he needs more. That is the Jesus that we're talking about when we when Jesus is saying, "Love your neighbor." No one is exempt from that. Anyone who follows Jesus, you're not exempt from loving your neighbor. You don't have to like him. He didn't say you had to go hang out with him and party with him. He didn't say you had to, you had to like him, but you do have to love them. You do have to treat them right. You do have to treat them like they're God's creation, just like you are. And so the fact that there's, there is a group of people who, who profess this Jesus in word, but obviously not in deed because they, they make an altar to this person who, you know, wants to grab women by the pussy wants to, wants to, fit, ha, is, is allegedly, has allegedly been accused by more than, God, I think it's up to like 30 people now have accused him of, of sexual assault and or rape. Puts, willingly puts children in cages, willingly attacks people of color across social media, willingly calls upon violence upon journalists And, and, and Christians want to side with that, which is very antithetical to whom Jesus is. The two don't relate. The two don't relate. This is, but like I said, this is not a crisis for being a black American because, you know, there, there was a time, there was a time not too long ago, not too long ago in our nation's history where you could have multiple churches in the same town, you know, let's, let's just pick a black church and a white church. Right. And they would both be having service around the same time. They could both, they could both be singing the same hymns, reading from the same version of the Bible, having their services and literally one group will get together and put hoods on and go burn down the other's church. And I can guarantee you, you can guess who did what. Because that was a regular thing. The, 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 the terrorism that existed from people who supposedly professed in Jesus, that's not lost on black Americans. So when, when the writer of this article says this is a crisis, no, I, I say that it's perfectly on brand. So any, anyone who stands with a man who literally spews nothing but hate for anyone who does not look like him cannot be Christian. There's too much evidence to prove otherwise. I mean, like pick a topic in the Bible and you'll find that Trump and his followers are the antithesis of what Jesus said. I mean, let's just take lying. For example, this man has been recorded saying certain things in one instance, like you could see him. He's there. He's at a rally. He said it in front of a whole bunch of folk, he said it, they recorded him. And then when he's called out on the thing that he said at the recording in front of all of these people, he said he'll straight up lie and say, No, I didn't say that. No, I didn't say that. No, it's fake news, no it's fake news. But we have a video of you saying it to all these folks. Like, dude, what are you talking about? But the Bible's very clear about lying. Proverbs six sixteen through nineteen says, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, and a false witness who breathes out lies and anyone who sows discord among their brothers. That's what the Lord hates. Those things. You know, I'll find evangelicals who say that, you know, certain things are an abomination, but I believe... I believe wholeheartedly that the things that I just read, you know, uh, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run to evil, false witnesses that breathes out lies, and a person who sows discord. I believe that that is more of an abomination than sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing it out there. Um, how about how we treat the sh- the stranger? You know, we're commanded as Christians to, like I said, to love everybody and to treat people well, especially those who are, we consider the stranger in our land. Like, I don't know, immigrants, like people seeking asylum. And it was so important to the Jewish culture that we treat that believers, that that same belief translates over to the Christian, uh, culture, uh, because, you know, there was a time where, you know, in, in our faith, where our people were strangers in a weary land where they wandered around and, you know, that is God saying like, you know, what it feels like to be displaced. You know what it feels like to look for asylum. You know what it feels like to not belong Don't let other people feel that way. Honor me in that, how you treat people who don't belong, people who are running for their lives, people who are seeking aid and seeking help. In fact, Leviticus 19.34 says, You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as a native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. it's clear. It's clear. We cannot be reading the same Bible and still want to lock children up in cages, separating babies from their families. Um, it's, it's, it's awful. It's awful what is happening. And at the hands of people who dared to profess Jesus's name, when Jesus wouldn't even recognize you guys and don't even get, don't, even get into Matthew 25 the story of the sheep and the goats that Jesus was telling where he would separate the sheep from the goats so the sheep know uh, the sheep represent the people who know God's voice who know Christ's voice who know Jesus's voice and he said you fed me when you when I was hungry you clothed me when I was naked you welcomed me and the, the people who were considered the sheep would answer Christ and say when do we see you Jesus when do we see you Lord hungry or or in need. When do we see you? When do we witness that? And he said, when you did it to the least of these. So when you reached out to the homeless person, when you reached out to the person in need, when you lended your voice and stood up for those who were oppressed or those who were the immigrant or those who were in in, in dire straits, you did it for me. That's how serious Jesus takes our, our, our treatment of others. He takes it so seriously that it could be the dividing line between where we stand when we get to glory Christians. Now, Jesus and I got to have a lot of conversations, but one of those conversations I pray to God will not be how I treated the least of these. That's my prayer that he will look at me and say, well done, thou good and thou faithful servant. And that I was faithful over how I treated those whom he sent to me, those who I was sent to, those who he had me be the hands and the feet and the mouthpiece for him. And if you don't live that way, you're no Christian. You're no Christian. That's it. There's no way you could be a Christian. It Like I said, it's really, hypo- it's just so hypocritical that these evangelicals would even attempt to align with Trump. At least, like, it would be if we didn't have a history to back up the hypocritical ways in which white evangelicals in this country have behaved. Like I said, after all, being a person of color, it's not lost on me that there will be Sundays in this nation where a black church and a white church could be doing the same things. Both have members lifting holy hands in prayer, turning the pages of the same Bibles, closing their hands to pray but only one would take those same hands to don white sheets and to carry torches and to burn down churches and to lynch people and to commit violent acts against those who just have different skin color than they do on the same Sunday on any day. Despite what the world tells you or what this article says about a crisis, black Americans know that white evangelicals have been either in a crisis for an extremely long time or have established this this identity of duality where they get to live, they live with one hand clinging to the Bible and the other hand clinging to their racism. And that makes a faith out of their hate. What's worse is Donald Trump couldn't care less about white evangelicals. Like he wants their vote, he doesn't care anything about their heart, if they were poor, if they were female, if they weren't elite he they don't matter to him like do 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 they not understand that he does not care about anyone who does not look or is as rich or as influential as him? He looked at he watched Barack Obama be able to just speak the language of the people wherever they fell, and people were inspired and He feels entitled to that. He feels like he deserves that. But he can't get that. Because, like, let's face it. The elite doesn't want anything to do with him. The elite want nothing to do with him. They see how he's divisive. They see how he's harmful. They see how he's problematic. A lot of them are laughing at him at this point. And it's it's obvious that the only people who he could actually get are the deplorables. And so you have to, if you are a white evangelical listening to this and you feel some type of way, like I said, you can write me at the reclaimed at gmail.com. Um, or you can reach out on social, uh, Instagram or Twitter. I'm the reclaimed. We can have a dialogue about this, but there's a reckoning coming where our faith is really going to be tested And it's a sad, sad Christian that will allow atrocities to take place for the sake of their hatred, for the sake of their privilege. That's a sad Christian. And I'm not so sure I want to be associated with anything that would be antithetical to my faith. And that's it for today's mess and message. All right, let's get into the wrap up rant. All right, folks, time for me to yell at you in this week's wrap-up rant. Well, not you. Yell about things to your listening ears because you're so kind. Thank you so much for listening to me rant and rave weekly. Um, This week, I have two short things that I have to talk about. Um, My first wrap-up rant goes to the media who keep calling uh, Jeffrey Epstein and R. Kelly's victims, quote, underage women. I want to let you know that there's no such thing. There is either a woman or there is a child. There is a girl or there is an adult. There's no such thing as underage women. Call it what the F it is. It is child pornography. It is molestation. It is statutory rape. It is rape. Okay. There is no such thing as an underage woman. Okay, because womanhood begins at a certain age, just like childhood, uh, not begins, but ends at a certain age. Until you reach that certain age, you are still a child. Okay, so to the media who keep saying underage women or in one public publication, I saw underage female, which is terrible, because that takes away both the humanity and the 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 age qualification of the young woman, the, the, of the child that is being discussed, like stop using that language y'all, like call it what it is. I know y'all have this weird fixation with wealthy people and you don't want to call certain things, certain things, but call it what it is. It's child pornography. It's molestation. It's sexual assault. It's statutory rape. And then to say that such and such and so and so, certain people were accused of having sex with underage women. Sex implies that both parties could could consent, that there is an equal footing in power. That's what sex is. There is no equal footing in power if you're having sex with children. There's no equal footing in power. That is rape, okay? (laughs) Call it what it is. I know it's very uncomfortable to use that type of language. Call it out. Call it what it is. It sounds harsh. It makes us uncomfortable. And it should. It should make you uncomfortable. It should. You should never be comfortable with the idea of someone harming children in such a manner, using children in such a way. You should never be comfortable with that. It's good that it makes you uncomfortable. It shows where your heart is. It shows where your mind is. Get uncomfortable with it but keep calling out the bad behavior, okay? That's your job, media. Please do right, plain and simple. Secondly, to the woman who told the Spanish-speaking lady in Abington, Pennsylvania at a market, I hope Trump deports you. (sighs) So basically this woman in Abington, Pennsylvania was just minding her own business, just like many people of color do. And entitled ass folks who think they have the right to make commentary on everything that is going on, this particular woman being one of them, decided that she was going to just go into a full racist, bigoted tirade, not knowing that she was being recorded and her face was now plastered all over the internet for all to see. Good job. Good job. First of all, thank you so much because now we can record. Thank God for technology. And I hope that every single time someone looks up your profile on LinkedIn or Facebook or for a promotion or for a job, they find that video of you. I hope they do because here's, there's, there's a difference between being a jerk by being mean because then you can write that off like, oh, I was having a rough day. And then there's a difference between that and being a racist, a blatant, bigoted racist because listen... Even racists have good days. And no one wants to be associated with a racist. Like, people have bad days and, you know, they go off on tirades and stuff like that. And you're just like, oh, you know, they were just having a rough day. Um, We can easily, more easily and readily write that off. What we can't write off is your bigotry. And so I'm glad that someone recorded you. Because you probably have been treating people like this the whole time. Mind you, this woman who was speaking Spanish is from Puerto Rico. So when you say that you want... Trump to deport her, deport her to where? That's an American territory. She's an American citizen. Congratulations, you're an idiot. And like I said, I hope you constantly, like I said, I hope you constantly have the feeling of stepping on Legos. I hope that you lose your keys all the time. I hope that minor inconveniences stack themselves upon you until you have amended your wicked ways or you, um... Just keep having minor inconveniences. I never will wish harm or anything like that. But like I said, minor inconveniences by the (sighs) buckets. I feel better. I don't know about you guys. All right. Time for that new segment that we introduced last week called Blacks in the Deep End. This is the good stuff that is happening in culture. Um, First, I want to make a massive shout out to Carrie in Washington. And his mother caris carrion washington who was 17 years old applied to work at six flags uh which six flags y'all have to do better you jerks he applied to work at six flags in march and during the interview process he was told he was going to need to cut his dreadlocks in order to get the job the six Flags staff told carrion that his dreadlocks were considered an extreme hairstyle uh per their dress code policy which six flags Y'all really got a policy against dreadlocks? Do you also have a policy against afros, braids, um, and any type of quote-unquote textured hairstyle outside of straight hair? Because that's called discrimination. But we'll get on to that later. Um, so the teenager, he was turned down for the summer job because he refused to cut his hair, um, now has a modeling career. Which is amazing. His mother, Karis, she sh- uh, shared his experience on Facebook. It took off on social media. The story caught um, the attention of Corey Caster, the head of development at, at the LA-based IMG Models. And she's a scout for uh, IMG Worldwide. And now, guess what? He has a successful model ca- modeling career. So instead of being hot and stuck at Six Flags in Texas all summer... This boy is like getting, having these amazing photo shoots, all these amazing opportunities. So shout out to a story gone right. Um, Six Flags, y'all need to do better. Six Flags, y'all need to do better. But shout out to Carrie Ann. Okay. Last week, California became the first state in the United States to ban employers and school officials from discriminating against people based upon their natural hairstyle that's right democratic democrat senator holly mitchell introduced the bill earlier this year also known as creating a respectful and open workplace for natural hair act or the crown act you know black people were amazing for an acronym like listen to that creating a respectful and open workplace for natural hair or the crown act um and said that the new law is about inclusion, pride, and choice. The law, protects against, the law protects the right of black Californians to choose to wear their hair in its natural form without pressure to conform to Eurocentric norms. Um, and so, yeah, that's super exciting. It sucks that we even need a law or an act like this, but it's amazing that people are making these things happen. Shout out to our final person in Blacks in the Deep End, Jaden Smith, with his I Love You restaurant. So the day before he turned 21, the day before his 21st birthday, Jaden announced that he is, he has created and collaborated with, well, created the I Love You restaurant truck. Um, In his caption, he says, the I Love You restaurant is a movement that is all about giving people what they deserve, healthy vegan food for free. Today we launched our first one, our first one day food truck pop up in downtown LA. Uh, Keep a lookout because this is the first of many. So basically free food for people who are in need, vegan, healthy food, and Jane Smith did it. So congratulations. I like what's going on over there at the Smith house. Y'all are doing awesome things. Obviously God is blessing you and amen because you guys are incredible. Shout out to that entire family. And for this week's, um, black in the deep end, Jane Smith. And that is this week's show. Thank you guys so much for listening to me rant and rave about (sighs) stuff. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. Um, I appreciate you guys, uh, liking, sharing, subscribing, Um, letting folks know that this show is around and out. Um, this has been so fun. I love, I think I'm starting to fall in love with this podcasting medium. I really like talking to you guys every week and I really like sharing the things that I'm learning or developing or growing about what things that I'm even walking back where I have to change my mind on certain elements. So thank you guys for walking through this journey with me. Um, Please continue to like, to share, to subscribe. We're on a slew of different platforms, including Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Breaker, CastBox, and a few others. Um, And so listen to me wherever those places are, you can just find like just your Googles and type in the reclaimed podcast, or you can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, and yeah, I believe that's everything. Oh guys, please keep giving me your prayers and your good thoughts. Um, we are about 70 days out from this wedding, (sighs) wedding planning. You guys just keep me in your prayers. I, I, I love this man. I love the fact that I'm getting married to him. Weddings are stressful, um, but I'm trying not to take that stress on and just redirect my thoughts into positive things. And so continue to give me your good juju, your good vibes, your good thoughts and your prayers. Um, And as always, peace, y'all.